from Ennui. This is Ennui Talk. You can support the show and other Ennui projects by subscribing to Ennui Plus on Patreon. But for now, sit down and enjoy. I might as well introduce it. Let's do it. Um, welcome back. Welcome back to Ennui Talk. I'm your host, Matthew Winter. And today, I have quite a, somebody who actually I found from the Create Unknown podcast as I've mentioned several times on this podcast, um, Glink. Um, Glink is a YouTuber who has quite a few hundred um, thousand subscribers. And one thing that I, because I was thinking, how do, how do it like, you know, you can introduce somebody as a YouTuber. You can introduce somebody as a commentary channel, whatever you want to call it. But when I was just on your Instagram before, your bio was journalism at the intersection of information, entertainment, and meaning. And I thought, fuck, that is the most amazing sort of um, s- like summary of what your content is. Um, so thank you, Glink, for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me, man. It's great to know that um, the Create Unknown, I mean, I wish them more success and I think that they actually deserve even more success, even though you know they do well for themselves, but they're such a great, great show and they've also introduced me to a lot of people. Um, yeah, my, my Instagram bio... I kind of just typed that more recently um, as like a short summation of what I try to do on YouTube and I guess just on the internet more broadly because uh, I don't want to just be on YouTube. But yeah, I try to, I try to do that without sounding too preachy. Sometimes I might fail uh, to like bring meaningful discussion to um, topics that are that are entertaining, you know, accessible to uh, I guess like gamers and people who use the internet a lot, people like me. Um, while also, you know, being somewhat journalistic and interviewing people. And I'm definitely into that kind of content. And I quite enjoy it. I actually think when I found your channel, it felt, you know, you you know, I follow, you know, I subscribe to channels like all the time, somebody, you know, funny, funny videos or, um, insightful videos or whatever. I felt when I found your channel, it really filled a void and maybe that's, you know, um, making it bigger than it, it is. But I, I really do think like it, it really filled a void in sort of, um, you know, c- content that's like I'd always sort of think about here and there. Like, for example, your last video, Finding Meaning Through Online Father Figures. Um, that specific topic is something that sort of I've had that conversation with friends like talking about your Joe Rogans, your Jordan Petersons and your H3s and all these comedians and all these commentary channel and YouTubers sort of um, defining who we are. And I wanted to, I want to discuss that topic specifically because that was the video that sort of made me go, wow, like that's the subject that really, that's the video specifically that made me, you know, really, really think about that subject. And you went into, you went into a lot of depth um, specifically. Just t- tell me more about that video. And why did you decide to make that video specifically? Was that something that you'd been, that had been lingering there for a while? Yeah, well, I guess it's fitting that we're talking about this on an actual podcast because for a while now, I don't know, since maybe 2015, 2016, um, and I, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to bring Joe Rogan up a lot, but, you know, I, he kind of got me into podcasts, um, not just his own, but other ones. And people talk about there's memes all the time about, you know, everyone wants to start a podcast. Everyone has a podcast. And that's there's definitely a lot of saturation and there's a lot going on with them. Um, but I, I really do. I have found that after listening to, to multiple, it's really expanded my view of the world, uh, listening to a lot of very interesting guests, listening to people ranging from doctors to, um, you know, mathematicians to inspiring like poets, authors, uh, musicians, artists, you know, just every range of of person that you can find inspiring or or kind of uh, worth listening to, you can find really good conversations they have hours long uh, on not just Joe Rogan, but many other podcasts as well. And I feel like that's, that's awesome. Like that's such a good tool. It's pretty much this closest thing to having a conversation with someone, you know, granted you're not giving your input and you're not, whatever they say is not tailored to you, but 
nonetheless, I mean, it's you can gain a lot out of talking to some brilliant people or rather listening to conversations between brilliant people. So that's that's why it was very important to me as a topic. And that's why I wanted to I've always wanted to make a video on it. I just wasn't sure how or what or like whatever. And then I, uh, you know, I, I talk about Jordan Peterson. I talk about David Goggins. Um, I talk about. Jocko Willink, you know, I try to give a range of people because, you know, not everyone likes Jordan Peterson, not everyone likes, um, you know, Jocko Willink and different uh, people who are popular in the podcast space. But my point was hopefully to be like, you know, there is a message there for everyone that each person is giving at least a bit of truth, even if you don't fully agree with what they say, that's not the point. And with that, there's a lot of there's a lot of guidance. Uh, I certainly feel like I've gained insight and direction in my life after hours and hours of of listening to these people and listening very closely and i think it's it's one thing just the podcast podcasting in general and i could go on about podcasting forever because it's one of those things that i started listening to podcasts before any of my friends did and i know that like even like you know a few years into me listening to podcasts they'll just all they were listening to was you know some little shitty youtube podcast i'm like there is so much more out there in podcasting and specifically when I started podcasting I guess the only thing that I was thinking of let's be funny let's be relevant and now a lot of it is much more let's provide value value of some sort obviously entertainment because you wouldn't be listening to a podcast you'd want to be entertained to some extent but I think I always like to provide even like little nuggets like to provide just you know something that can make you think about a certain subject. Because that's what podcasts have done for me. Podcasts have provided me little nuggets that have just, you know, changed my view on some aspect of life that, you know, something's been just, you know, digging into the back of my head. I think podcasts made me a better person. Sometimes I feel like people listen to podcasts are better than everybody else. And I don't like, not in a, in a bad way, but I think it's just people who, podcasting's a, it's a platform where you can really dive deep into a subject without, you know, sitting down and watching something, you know, like sort of, sort of being fully engaged to something. Cause like with, with audio, you can just listen and you can like, people find it weird that I listen to a podcast at 1.5 speed, but I, my mind is wired that I can absorb all that information quite, quite quickly. I don't think I could sit mm-hmm. down and watch like a, a three hour Joe Rogan podcast and just do that. Even if it's like on the side of my screen, I think it's like, that's pointless to me. Um, But yeah, I think that's, I like the, 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 the platform of podcast because I feel like it's, it's learning it. You can learn things at an accelerated, at at an accelerated rate, very, very much so. Even not just learning, but just like, you know, absorbing information much faster than probably any other medium. Yeah. And I think because these things are oftentimes a conversation, not just an informational piece like video, which obviously videos are very useful too, but because it's a conversation, I think there's also room, even if you're, you know, you kind of give your input as you're listening. Like I I do that at least where I hear one side and then I'll be like, okay, like I'll think about what they're saying and almost give my response. And then the other person responds and, you know, maybe their response brings up something similar to what I was thinking. And in that sense, it becomes a sort of, Uh, It's something where it's easy to be self-reflective of the information, which maybe is not the way everybody learns, but it's certainly the way I learn rather than kind of like, it's not just absorbing information, although it's that too. It's also hearing information and then kind of like playing around with it in your head um, in a unique way compared to just straight videos or just, you know, reading like a book or something. And I'll, I think like just the the whole listening to people sort of um, thing. It's like with video essays because a lot of that is like you know there's visual aspects to it, but a lot of it is listening, and a lot of commentary channels is just listening. And there's like visual prompts on the screen, but if you you could, you know, get ninety percent of the information without seeing what's on the screen. And I think there was a lot. There was a period. I think it was specifically last year. And like I'd followed all these like YouTubers and YouTube comedians and people making like good content but I th- it got to a point where it was like this just feels stale in my head and for the longest time I didn't watch any of those people and I was l- I was watching only video essays and I felt like 
a lot of this content was was smarter. And I don't think that it's like... I'm not saying that commentary channels are dumb. A lot of them are. A lot of them are just drama, drama, drama. And that's just, you know... it get, that, that gets old very, very quick. Like, um, I got sick of hearing all the whole H3 Keemstar drama you know, a few days into oh, it, yeah. which is just, it's just, it just gets boring after a while. And now, and they're still going with that. They're still sort of like, you know, <laughs> picking at each other, but like with, I think it's, it's like video essays and some commentary channels and podcasts. I think it feels like they have a lot more thought into them, but then I also think like on the other end of the spectrum to play devil's advocate, I like, there's so many TikToks that I see that are short, fast, made quickly but i'm like damn that is like that's smart that's a smart tiktok and i think the the concept of you know making smart content i've always found sort of interesting because like you know for example with your videos a lot of thought goes into that a lot of production goes into that a lot of preparation goes into that and that's very you know that's very very smart and like you know you're going in depth but i think short content can have that as well like, you know, you could say animators, for example, like putting out like a little short animation. There's a lot of preparation into that short form content. But I think yeah. with, with some, um, what I was going to say was with some people, it's more than just the video itself. Like, for example, somebody putting out a TikTok and they have a specific character they've developed, for example. There's a lot of, you know, preparation in that. There's a lot of development in that. It's, it's more the whole brand. It's not just this one little video that they've, um, do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Right, right. Yeah, um, there, and that's something I kind of would like to learn more of or, or get better at because I think you're right that even very short videos can have a lot of depth and, and sort of meaning to them. And I'm sure we're just probably not even scratching the surface yet on the potential in there because most TikToks I've seen and most very short form content is, you know, like very slapstick humor level stuff. Um, but I, I think I have seen a glimmer of what you're talking about. And that's, that is, if, if there's something that's ideal for the internet and for the age of information right now, it is as, as great as long form stuff is and as much of an audience there is for that to really reach people. If you can put something that's really, you know, interesting, captivating and somehow still have depth while being very short and condensed, that's kind of like the golden formula for, uh, I guess just like a really popular thing and also a really good piece of content. Um, I would love to, to try to do that more of that. Uh, and I would love to see more of that too, because there's definitely a lot of potential there. Do you think there is a formula though? Do you think there's, you can actually find that formula because it, it feels unrealistic, like short, fast, but in-depth, smart content. Like, does that actually exist? I don't... Well, I think it has to be something symbolic or it has to be something that's a very... That's like an artistic statement because you're right that certain things are just going to not work. Like, you can't get into the details of an important topic or the complete nuance of an important topic in a short period of time. But maybe something akin to short films where you can sort of make an artistic statement or, you know, get people to think. I think that's the key. If you can make people really like, if you can put out something that's a minute long and yet it gets people thinking about it for like a week or two or longer, that is what I'm talking about. Like that is a very dense, compact thing that you don't just forget about. Um, so in that sense, I think there is a I don't know if I would call it a formula, but it, there is a recipe, let's say. There is like a uh, an ideal. Maybe you can never even perfectly emulate it, but I think aiming towards something like that would be uh, a great a great way to make short form content and a great f a version of it. That it sort of links to what like it's a bit of a it's a little bit of a stretch, but it's it sort of links the idea of when I've made content ever since I started. Like it was always I wanted to make something bigger than me. That's why I created Onwe, and it's not just Matthew Winter's YouTube channel. And it was also I decided to create a show. Like the series that I've worked on for the last five five years, on and off, was Marty's Internet Show. You know, it was this guy living life, starting an internet show, um, had a few friends, blah blah blah. And there was, you know, episodes written around that, ideas written around that. I'm very inspired by TV in that aspect, of course. But I think it was much more, 
I didn't want to just create YouTube videos. I didn't want to just create something that you could watch, have a laugh at, then it goes away. I wanted to create something with much more depth. And I think like at that time when I started 2015, there wasn't a lot of that. There really, really wasn't. Like, like my big inspirations at the time were the Filthy Franks, the H3s, the iDubs. And there was something more to their content, even though it was, you can say that the production value of those videos were not that good. Like, you know, filming with an HD camera, like the bare, the, really at, at 2015, that was the bare minimum. And the editing was, you know, pretty good. Um, and, but there was, there was nothing spectacular about their stuff, but it was, I think personality, I think personality plays a part in being a content creator online. And I think that people just think they can make videos that are entertaining. I think, cause you have to have a good personality and make good content. I re- like, I can't really think of an example off the top of my head, but if, you know, just having good content, but you're not really a good personality. Do you know what I mean? Like the formula is yeah. there for the video but you're not fucking entertaining whatsoever. And on the other spectrum, you could be, be a great, great f- personality, but the format of your video just doesn't work for you. And I've been through that. I've tried many, many different things. Um, one specifically was my character, Marty. Um, he was he started a little talk show and was very much, you know, improv, ad-lib sort of stuff. And I'd done that before, but in this different format, didn't work. It just didn't work. And mm. I think that different creators, they need to find... Um, you know, I think like, especially when you're doing it on your own, you really, really need to find the format that you can do on your own pretty small, especially when you're just starting out um, mm-hmm. without much production value. That's sort of the MVP, like from, because you know, I've, you know, it's the minimal viable product. Like what can you put out that is good, that can help you grow and people can go, hey, I like this and I'd like to see this, you know, get better. Etc. Etc. I think it's you know right. the formula is very very important in making YouTube videos, but personality is probably just as much. Yeah, uh, one thing from my experience, at least, and and from some people I know, like I, I think other other YouTubers and such, I think that probably the hardest thing is to start off trying to sell yourself with a series or with videos or skits or whatever. Um, in other words, it's hard to try to sell your personality and your content with it being completely original, which sounds counterintuitive. Mm. But what I'm trying to say with that is I, you know, all my, I mean, even to this day, all my videos, none of them are really about me personally. I'll put stuff in there. That's personal. Of course, especially nowadays, I'm trying to do that because like you said, I recognize the importance of, personality. But when I first started out and and throughout my catalog, almost all my videos will talk about something on the surface that's very uh, accessible or very popular or very well known. And then I try to give my unique take on it or my unique twist on it or whatever it may be. Um, Because there's just so many people who are doing like, you know, this is this is just me and this is just what I think or this is a show I'm making. And I'm sure a lot of them are great. Like I'm sure a lot of them are amazing, but it's so hard to, to, I guess it's so hard to command an audience when you're just starting almost from scratch in that way. Very much so. I think it's even like, you know, even Rooster is a good example. Even back in the day, they had a viral video. They had a video that sort of, it was, it was some like Apple parody, like right. I think it was like two years into their existence on YouTube. Um, and like obviously, Red versus Blue had a big audience there. But like that's it's it is very much proven that something needs to take off to make you become successful. And while I was saying that, I sort of realized no, that's not right either. Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk, one of my um, biggest inspirations in sort of media and business, he said, you know, that there's two ways to build an empire, and it's either you know, um, you know, you, you go viral, something hits big. Or you build it brick by brick, person by person. And that's the way I've always wanted to do it. But I feel like I, you know, I've been, you know, trying to find that mixture, blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, here's, um, you know, trying to make semi-virus content that could go viral. But then I think if you, you know, you get into the um, the habit of trying to make viral stuff or one one thing that I got into for a long time, trying to put out too much content, putting trying to put out so much content. I try to get a video out a week. And I burnt myself out. I tried mm. to put out a podcast twice a week a few years ago. 
just it didn't work out. It just wasn't the right time. I think that oh, I think it depends on the content as well. Like you know, they say oh, put it, if you put out daily videos, that's five more times to be that you, that you can have the chance of taking off. And that's one thing Gary V says. He says you know if you're for example um, if you're a rapper, put out a song every week. If you're a musician, put out a song every single week. If you're a creator, put out a video every bit of week. But he doesn't say that. He says, put out a bit of content, like, you know, every day, as much as you can. And I think that's proven that this, that just that as well, content as well. Content isn't just videos. Content is putting out a TikTok. Content is putting out um, a photo on your Instagram. Content is putting out mm. just a tweet, just a funny little tweet. Like, one of the best examples I can think of is Carson. Like, you know, he's streaming all the time, sure. And he's putting out videos quite occasionally. Um, but, you know, putting out... A, his content is putting out regular, regular tweets that get thousands of likes, hundreds of retweets. And I think that, that is very, very odd to me. Like, 10 years ago, you can't think of um, putting out a... Sh- and this is something I discussed with Matt Tabor on my podcast as well, that the whole... The 2020 marketing strategy, it could entirely be putting out shit posts on Twitter, just putting out <laughs> memes, which seems... It's so dumb, but it's so smart at the same time because that's what people sort of gravitate towards on social media. That's the way I feel about TikTok in general as well. And it's actually been the the cause of some, I guess, hesitation or intrepidation on my part because I don't, I don't know, like there's certain limits where it's like, do I really want to be, you know, dancing to this song or doing this jokey thing that sure, maybe there's a chance it'll go viral but where, how do I want to portray myself or what do I want to put out there? How seriously do I want people to take me? And sometimes it's not very serious at all. But um, I think you're right. And I think Carson is kind of – I don't actually know a huge amount about him, to be honest, Like I, in, in terms of watching his content. I haven't watched a ton of it. But um, if I'm not mistaken, like he kind of got huge based on kind of just hanging out on Discord with friends and having a good time, making highlight videos of it. Pretty much. And, um, and I think like sometimes, you know, I've, I've had, I have my own discord server and I've hung out on friends and servers and we'll have, you know, sometimes we'll have just really fun times talking, playing games, whatever. And then I think about it, it's like, yeah, of course that makes sense. Like, why wouldn't that be popular? Uh, if you can somehow encapsulate that and put it in a video form, it totally makes sense. And in that sense, he is kind of doing things in a way that's very accessible, but also really uh, just instantly like entertaining. Like there's no explanation needed for Call Me Carson as a person, like his tweets, you know, you just look at some of his tweets and they're just, they just make you laugh because they're so absurd or they're so crazy. They're so um, uh, like, wait, what? Like, I don't even know. They're just kind of subverting what you think should be a joke. I think not that he's doing some genius comedy routine or something, but he's just keeping it simple, but also um, really adding like his own flair to it, his own uh, personality attached with all of his stuff. And I think like he is, he seems to me like almost a purely personality driven kind of guy. And I think we're going to start to see more of that, whether it's with TikTok or Twitter or even still on YouTube people who they're able to make their content and their personality almost inseparable. Uh, in many ways, Filthy Frank was perhaps one of the first people to do that. And I think there's a little bit of a curse that comes along with it or the potential for it, which is that with him, you know, he struggled to separate George Miller and um, and Filthy Frank in the eyes of his followers. And I think that's one reason why he's distanced himself now from from Filthy Frank and is just now going with Joji because he's he's kind of able to be more of George Miller through that rather than being Filthy Frank all the time. Absolutely. And I think it was the smartest decision for him, for sure. Uh, and one thought that just ended my mind just then, it was, and just talking about, you know, Carson and having fun with friends online. But when we say friends, they're friends who are online content creators and this is sort of something I've sort of wrestled with myself. And I don't know it, I don't know if many others do, but it's... So with my content, even from back in the day, making videos and on podcasts, it was just my friends. It was just us. And we, on the podcast, would have some really good conversations. Um, but we wouldn't be growing. And just having like these guys in my videos, but obviously we're just guys hanging out. And most of my friends, most of the people who are in my videos, like they're my crew, very much so. 
and you know, one or two of them might be go- might be like, yeah, like this is I would really like to do this if it took off, and others are like, yeah, like it's, it's all right. I'll help out when you need, and if it ever takes off, sure, I'll I'll join you, whatever. But none of them are like, this is what I want to do. Do you know what I mean? This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Mm. And then with Carson and, and create another creators, these are creators. These are people who were like, this is the thing I want to do. I want to make content for the internet. And I think it's like, is can you have just people on your channel who are just friends, who are, pe- who are not necessarily people who are striving to be creators or striving to be, um, you know, entertainers in some sort. Um, can you make good content around that? Like it's part of me feels like, mm. you know, if they're not dedicated, if they're not like, you know, like I've had friends dip in and out because it's like, you know, I'm on this, not, it's not like a rigid schedule of let's record every week or even let's record every second week. Sometimes I think it's just that takes over. Like, I guess like one good example is Mr. Beast. Cause like a lot of those guys, like I'm sure like, you know, they were really nobodies. Do you know what I mean? Like they were just Mr. Mm. Beast friends they weren't necessarily other YouTubers who he's collabing with, um, you know, like like a lot of the ha- like how offline TV is with um, Michael Reeves and Pokemon and like they're, they're they're not a house. They're not. They're just they're just, they're just dudes hanging out. Um, but I think from that aspect as well, dudes hanging out is also very just. It's very relatable content as well. Mm-hmm. So what? So what is? Is there a balance? Is there a? Is there? Can you actually be successful of just friends hanging out? Like that's what like is it is it proven you can? I really don't know. Um, yeah, that's a tough one because you're right. Like you kind of see both ends where, I mean, I I've seen a lot of videos where it is just some people hanging out, and then as a viewer, I'm like almost thinking, okay, well, why do I care about this or whatever? You know, I, I don't necessarily feel like I'm attached or, or you know entertained or engaged, and then other times, I'm like watching a group of people whether it's content creators or someone up and coming and they're hanging out and I'm like, wow, this is great. Like these guys are hilarious. Uh, I can't believe this, this isn't the most popular thing, or I'm glad this is as popular as it is. Um, you know, and I think there's a few examples of this, like call me Carson and his friends, Mr. Beast and his friends, even to some extent, I would say Joe Rogan and the kind of community of comedians that he's had all interacting. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's, it's tricky because sometimes these things are built around one person, um, where it's like there is clearly one central figure and everyone is just like a supporting character, which that can work. But then other times it's almost like everyone is contributing equal amounts. Um, and that ends up creating the super entertaining, super engaging thing, the super, this great group of people. Um, but I think it, it is a lot about your, wavelengths and and how you relate to to people because that translates to the content uh and this is true for artists too like of bands and and anything else where if you're on different wavelengths with your friends and let's say they're not willing to put in the same amount of effort or maybe they are interested in putting on the same amount of effort but you don't have necessarily good direction like you're kind of all just wanting to do things but you don't know exactly what you want to do i think that's where the balance lies is it's a healthy amount of direction um, on and like a central figure, but also not so much that your friends are just there to to kind of you know be yes men or just be strictly uh, background characters. You know, you want them to also be adding to to the energy going on, and that has to translate. And man, it's so complicated. It's so hard to unravel because it's hard enough to just figure out what one individual needs to do in order to seem relatable or entertaining to an audience, let alone, you know, five different individuals who are so complicated and relate to each other in so many different ways. So that's a tough one to answer. I would actually be curious to see what someone like Call Me Carson uh, or Mr. Beast has to has to say on something like that. It'd be very, very interesting because I think it's like, that's the thing. It's it's collaboration, as we discussed before, and that's the thing that sort of, you know, what like I think that's why a lot of um, a lot of people grown in the first place. You know, it's joining a, a a group of people, a community of just creators, and you can sort of like piggyback off each other's content. Even Joe Rogan in the beginning was part of I think it was like the Death Squad um, podcast yeah. network, and that's that's it's crazy. That's the thing. It's like it's that's just 
the old school podcast version of collaboration. And that's what I actually wanted to link to um, you and Slush. You and Slush started a podcast recently, which when was the last time you put out an episode? That wasn't supposed to be a dig. That came out as the biggest dig. But um, no, 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 no. It's I'm glad you brought that up because we <laughs> we're so yeah, we have we have a podcast called Gush. We have like I think we have five episodes out and it's weird because there's two schools of thought. One is like we want to put out one regularly and just you know, who knows how it turns out. Maybe it's going to be great. Maybe it's just going to be whatever. Or do we just want to save it for when it's like going to be really good? So I guess we're still figuring that out. We are going to have a new one out soon, but yeah, we only have five right now. <laughs> I think it's the, that's the thing with like two YouTubers starting a podcast because so many people have done that. And it's like the angle that you come of that from, like for me in the beginning, it was like, you know, I'm small, I'm nothing big. It's like I could talk about YouTube stuff all the time or I could talk about social media stuff all the time or internet stuff or life stuff. And I don't think any of that shit really matters. I think the one... and Because I, I remember listening to... Um, it was... Actually, it was John Pollock, who's a, he's a wrestling journalist. Um, and he was on the podcast of Jim Ross, who's a famous WWE commentator. Um, and it was just before um, John Pollock had started post-wrestling, his current sort of venture. And one of the questions that was asked was how, like, you know, in a world full of hundreds of wrestling podcasts, how do you differentiate yourself? And I think, it, and the one thing it was, it was personality. And that's what we discussed before. I think if it's, if it's, you know, if it's just you and Slash just having a good time and talking about things and being entertaining, I think at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. I think that's all that really matters on any podcast. Like it can be three white guys talking, you know, that's pretty much what mm. Comtown is. Um, sure. But I think, and that's what it is. Personality is the key to, to content, um, engaging conversations, stuff like that. I don't. I think that's all it is. It's just having fun. That's half of what Joe Rogan is. A lot of the time, it is just him and his mates smoking weed and getting drunk and talking shit. I think that's that. That's it. It's just. Yeah. It's just that. It's just that. You're definitely right. You're definitely right. That is the most important thing that I'm starting to learn. Um, but you know, there's challenges even with that, even when you're two people with, with interesting personalities or, um, two people who click really well and, and, and all that there's the, the two hurdles that I've come across is one, like always getting that to translate, uh, through, through being recorded, through being streamed, whatever it may be. Um, and then two is getting like the, there's almost like a bridge between, Sure, you can be really great personalities, uh, really entertaining, really clicking well, but how do you get people to like take the plunge and listen? How do you get the exposure? Um, and sometimes people have the a lot of exposure and very little of the personality, and it ends up being I think a lot of actually like content on YouTube that's very pushed and like popular uh, is sort of like that. Uh, not saying that people big YouTubers don't have personality, but I think their exposure precedes them a little bit. Um, and yeah, it's, 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 um, you don't want to be too much in your own world though, at least not to begin with. I think, you know, like if it's just you and your friends talking, I, I think that can be enjoyable, but you almost need like some kind of draw, some kind of pull. Otherwise it's just going to be you and your friends talking and that's great. Like you guys are having a good time, but like, that's just all the, sh you know what I mean? Like no one is tuning in. Um, so how do you, how do you get that to, to, how do you get that bridge? And I'm still trying to figure that out. I'm not saying like, I have an answer to this, but, um, that's kind of what, how it is in my head in terms of, uh, how to get it to work. Cause there is a fine balance. Very, very much so. There is a fine balance. Um, I wanted to actually, I want to discuss to you, like, you know, off the sort of um, the internet sort of content stuff. I feel like that's all I talk about in my podcast when I have a guest sometimes. But I wanted to talk about you. I want to talk about failure because yeah. you've, been, you've been doing YouTube for, your first video was nine years ago. Are there, are there any other videos before then that you've unlisted or anything like that? Oh, yeah. I, uh, well, I've actually unlisted a bunch of like, in between that, that is the first one on this channel, but in between then and like some of my more recent stuff, mm. I've unlisted a bunch of just like gameplay videos that I used to have. Um, but before that I had an old channel 
2007, I made it where I would just do like YouTube poop style stuff. If you know what that oh, is, I do. Just <laughs> shit posting basically. Yeah. Um, which I still like, oh man, that, that has like such a nostalgic feeling for me. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've definitely back then I was like 12, 13 uploading shit posting videos on YouTube on an old channel. So yeah, I've been at it for quite a while. When was the point where you went, Hey, I wouldn't mind at least, or it became the goal of being a, a YouTuber for lack of a better term. You know, um, maybe like not too surprisingly, but I think, cause I think a lot of people actually have this feeling, but when I saw Leafy's channel, I was, you know, I was kind of hovering around YouTube from 2010 to 2015, not really uploading. Maybe I'd occasionally upload something, but I was just, I was never taking it seriously. And then I saw Leafy's channel uh, in 2016 and I saw like my cousin actually, who was like watching him and I would see that he, he had millions of subscribers who'd get millions of views. And I'm like, okay, well, what's all this, what's all this about? Check out his channel. And it's just him kind of just whatever, talking, talking shit basically over gameplay. And I'm like, hold on. I bet I can be more interesting or entertaining. I bet I have better things to say than him. And I could do that. I could just put gameplay footage up. That's not hard. So um, that's kind of what made me feel like, well, why not? Why not try to be a YouTuber? Uh, maybe I won't even get a million views or millions of subs, but if I could just get a 10th of his success, I'm sure I could do that. So that was, that's what triggered, that's what like kind of flipped the switch in my brain to be like, yeah, I could do this. Why do you think, why do you think Leafy sort of took off like he did from just from outside glance? Because it's, it's been a while since I've sort of, obviously like, you know, he had, he had his comeback and then that went, you know, to shit, got himself, um, his channel taken down. But I believe mm. it was just like, it was the clickbaity titles and the quick, the clickbaity thumbnails. And he was sort of a joke in the community as well, but I don't know, it was... Why do you think that he sort of blew up as big as he did? Yeah, um, I don't know, because when I, well, it's funny because I, you know, ha after having said that, after saying that, you know, I could do this too, I started uploading videos that were kind of similar to his, where I would have sort of a clickbait title, not as clickbait, and then have gameplay footage and then have my commentary. And they were doing horribly. I was like wow, okay, this is not, like, no one's watching, nobody cares. I'm like, damn, okay, I guess this isn't enough. But um, I think the reason he succeeded is because it was, a lot of it was timing and also his personality because he kind of was the cynical kid, this guy that a lot of uh, young teenagers could relate to, uh, especially, like, boys, you know, in, in high school or even middle school. I think they just liked hearing someone else like them uh, a little bit of an outcast, perhaps, uh, just shitting on everyone, just being critical of everything, and not not that it's not that that's all he did, but you know that that sort of like uh, dare I say like edgy kid persona, being the voice on any number of different people or issues or whatever topics you talk about, and I think the clickbait stuff played a role, but clickbait is maybe a little bit overrated in terms of even if you have like a clickbait video and thumbnail, that's actually really not going to carry your video unless you have something behind it most of the time. So yeah, I think he just had good timing because he was kind of early in on that stuff. And he, uh, he definitely got a lot of success from, I think younger viewers who enjoyed, enjoyed, you know, a personality like his. Do you think it was, he, he, I think he was a bit of a, a brother figure really as well, linking it back to your most recent video on father figures and sort of brother figures. I feel like that's what it was. It was like, but maybe not even that. Maybe more of a like, could you even call him a brother figure? You couldn't call him a father figure. Definitely not. But could you call him a brother no. figure? <laughs> I, I feel like he's too, he was too, too, too much of a friend. Like that's what that, you know, it feels like you'll just, mm. it was a friend making content and he's gotten big. I wouldn't even say it's a brother figure because he was that sort of, immature it was that sort of comment because yeah. it was what it was but it was it was very much like bullying content some of it was a bit you know you can see a laugh here and there but it was very much it was very juvenile sort of um humor very very much so yeah i don't know i i guess i may be loosely implied he's a he's a brother figure in my video by virtue of being a commentator um but 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't think he's really a brother figure either. Either uh, I think he's more of a like a like a cool del- delinquent kid that people just like listening to uh, because he um, he offers a view that you're not used to hearing from you know very super squeaky clean and sort of uh, tight knit creators. Um, but that, I mean. It's it's weird seeing the progression of his channel because he sort of died off, I think, when IDubs took that place in a more highbrow sort of way. And then he came back when there was more of a demand for that again, because even IDubs, I think, and, and I criticized him a little bit in my last video as well, I think he kind of went, you know, I hate to overuse this word or make things sound more political than they are, but like he became a little bit more PC, okay? He became a little bit more... Uh, and everyone, everyone on YouTube is like this, actually, myself included, um, because YouTube itself, its guidelines, its rules, its demonetization, all this stuff has encouraged and in some ways forced creators to be a little bit more self-censoring and self, um, you know, controlling of, of what they say and what they do. Um, and I think that's what created an environment for people to want Leafy to come back. And uh, I guess, you know, that that just didn't fly anymore on YouTube. So it's in that sense, it's an interesting interesting view of what how much the landscape has changed of youtube and how much audiences have um been craving that but yet there's you know not really an opportunity for it in my opinion definitely not now that the platform's changed so much absolutely Uh, and i I just want to link it back to the the question i just had in my head and i was talking about that failure it was sort of like after the time you sort of went hey this is sort of i would really like to do this this is what i want to do was there was there sort of a was there a failure in that? Like, because just looking at your videos, a lot of them are quite quite successful, especially in the last three years. Um, was there a point that there was a failure that sort of set you up for a change in mindset that sort of took you to the next level, that changed things up, that really, you know, turned your channel into what it is today? Yeah, there actually is, and. This is, I guess, a little bit of a trade secret, but uh, maybe not. I don't know. Probably not. But what happened was, so I was uploading those uh, gameplay commentary videos, as I said, and maybe if I kept doing that, I'm sure I would have found some level of success uh, slowly. But what happened was one day, I, I don't know even exactly why, but maybe it was a conversation with a friend or something, but... I was like, hmm, what if I make a video where instead of there being gameplay in the background, it's just, it's number one, it's scripted. And number two, every single frame of it is going to be something, some sort of new clip or image and not something static because gameplay, you know, obviously it's not exactly static, but it's just, it's like a background thing. And so I was like, okay, well, what if I just replace all of that and it's going to take more time, it takes more editing, whatever. I'm just going to make it all clips and videos that are relevant to what I'm saying. So I made a video. I don't even know if it's on YouTube, actually. It might be private or blocked or something, but I made a video called how to get big on Twitch as a girl, which I'm sure the topic and the thumbnail and the title really helped me out with that exposure. Um, but it was a, that was the first video where I did that. And I just had clips of Twitch streamers and I kind of talked about, um, I, I basically just talked about like how a lot of female Twitch streamers find success on the platform and why I think that is and kind of donations that they receive and whatever, just different aspects of that. And, um, yeah, that was my first video that did really well. And it got, I don't even, it got like 20,000 views and maybe the first, um, couple weeks, which for me at the time was like insane. It eventually grew to a million views after the first, I want to say year or so. So it was one of those moments where I'm like, okay, this formula, if you want to call it that, uh, works and I need to do more of it. And then every subsequent video after that, was the same thing where like I'm scripting it out and I want to make, I just want to make it visually uh, and audioly. Uh, that's not a word, but I want to make every second of this as entertaining as possible uh, in every way that I can. And that's sort of just how I tried to structure all my videos since then. Uh, so in that sense, the failure of realizing, okay, that, you know, these gameplay videos are not doing well. This formula is not serving me really helped me to uh, land on something that did work, but that doesn't mean, you know, it could have easily not worked and I could have uh, 
there's always new ways to like try reinventing yourself. If, if that didn't work, then I would try something else and, and keep trying new ways to challenge myself to be like, I, this needs to be different from the last video. How is it going to be different? Because if I want to find success, I can't keep doing the same thing that isn't working for me. Staying on that sort of product, that sort of topic, sorry, of, um, of creativity. Um, because I, th- I think us as creatives, we are wired a bit differently to probably a lot of other people. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the way we do things. Um, I think, like, overwhelm and, like, focus is a big thing. Because, like, you know, we're very much... Being a YouTuber, being a content creator is very much um, self-motivated work. And I'm sure we've been in the same boat of, you know, feeling that overwhelm and being unfocused. W- what do you do personally? Is there anything that you do to sort of, like, get your mind back on track? Like, do you... Like, even, like, to, to, to track your production schedule, for the lack of a better term, um, like, what do you do to sort of keep yourself in line and to keep yourself, um, to minimize that overwhelm and to keep yourself on track and focused? It's, it is hard. Uh, I'm not going to say I have it fully figured out. So, like, if anything, that's probably one of my weak points is my lack of... Um, schedules, deadlines. I'm not good with time. I mean, the fact that we had to reschedule this, this podcast already a couple of times probably is an indication of that. I've never been the most punctual person. Um, and in some ways that's been a problem for me because I, I don't put out as much as I would like, but I do find that when I'm really able to be interested in a topic and be like, okay, th- not only is this interesting to me, but I think a lot of people are going to find this interesting that gets me super motivated. There'll be times when I'm editing something and I'll just sit there for hours and hours and I I won't even like get distracted. Oftentimes I do get distracted, but the times that I don't, it's because I'm I'm like so in the moment of, oh my God, this clip is so nice with this thing. This flows so well. I love how this goes. And it's it's like a burst of uh of energy that keeps me motivated. Um and that's hard. That's hard to stay consistent with. I think Something I'm trying to do more of uh, is setting deadlines, setting schedules, like to-do lists. I have a whiteboard where I write down what I want to have done for the next day. Like, okay, if I have to, if I'm editing a video, this section has to be done by today. And oftentimes, I'm not going to even get it with 100% accuracy. You know, maybe it's like I'll do half of the section that day, but. I find that at least setting some expectation and and trying my best to meet it usually results in a better outcome than just kind of like, okay, I guess today I'm going to work on my video because that is such a general thing for me. Even when I know what I need to edit, it's just, it's hard to find the motivation. But if I write down, okay, finish this part of the video today or get this thing done. uh, It's like, okay, I did that. Now the next day I'm even more on track. I'm even more motivated. So I think just kind of like finding a schedule, finding an expectation, setting that expectation um, is really good for for having uh, the outcome, for having productivity. I think that's what it is. That's it. That's it. I'm the exact same. Having an expectation of like, you know, it's because that's the thing, making a video, there's so many um, aspects to that. People just say, oh, you make YouTube videos. That doesn't seem hard, but there's so much from <laughs> start, start to end from thumbnails to metadata to finding the right um the title etc cetera, etc cetera. and there's a, there's a lot in that um before we do end up summing up i do have one more question um it was like what what is one of the things that you've invested in that you've felt is the most worthwhile thing you have and like that might be a physical thing it might be time it might be energy but what's something that you've invested in that you think has had the biggest payoff in your professional or in your personal life damn that's a really good question actually (laughs) (laughs) um that's a that's a good question i think i i tweeted like a couple weeks ago something sort of jokingly but i guess it is sort of serious too i I said something like the most important class for me in school was was learning how to write uh essays in english class because I find that at least with my videos, the way I structure them, it's it's very useful to know what is it that gets people interested in a video, keeps people there, and then leaves them with a feeling of 
that was good or like a, an emotional pull and learning how to write essays in school. I was always like kind of decent at English class and pretty bad at like math and other very logic based classes, I guess. But, um, that, that is the most useful, I guess, skill or, or thing that I've invested into is just writing the scripts for videos. And that's the hardest part too, because you can have a great, excellent vision, uh, but if you're not able to put it to paper of what exactly it's going to be like, then it's just an idea. It's just ethereal. And with videos, especially that's something where being able to structure it as intro. Okay. Um, this clip is going to go here. This thing is going to happen here. And then I'm going to have this thing. And then we're going to have this whole section. Like that is so useful for me in terms of conveying my ideas in video form. Good answer. I like that answer actually. Um, before we do sum up, Glink, thank you for coming on my podcast. It's tiny little podcast, only 300 subs, but I really do appreciate that. Um, yeah, man. I wanted to ask what's next? What's coming out next? Do you, do you, I'm sure you are obviously working on a video as we speak. Oh, man. So <laughs> I was actually supposed to have one out uh, by now, but because I've been a little bit uh, lacking on scheduling myself, and also just, you know, this is a strange, strange time in, in American uh, politics, at least. And I'm just sometimes overwhelmed by the news cycle and such. But um, I do have a video that I'm really excited about. I think it's going to do very well. It's going to be about VTubers and their kind of rise to popularity. What's what's really going on there? What it what it means, I think, for the future of, of content creation. So I'm pretty close to finishing that. I Hopefully this week, if not this, this weekend or next week, it'll be out. Um, it's, it's a video that I'm, I'm actually very excited to see how people react. That's what's coming out. And by the way, um, I, I'm really glad that you invited me on here. And, um, you know, even if you're a small podcast, I think even just having conversations like this is important too. Um, hopefully as much as it is for you, as much as it is for me, because, um, sometimes it's just talking to someone like this helps me know where I stand, what I think. And it helps me realize, you know, you are someone who you're a viewer too. You consume a lot of content. You watch a lot of people. I see that you've had, you know, other guests on, uh, like you've had John Swan on, you've had people that, you know, I'm also interested in hearing from. So, um, keep it up, man. And I, I hope that you can find even more interesting people to talk with and more conversations. I, I, I should, I'm going to check out more of your stuff, actually. I appreciate that very, very much. And thanks for coming on, Glink. Um, I hope everybody who's listening had a good time and had a good listen because it's, it's these conversations that really, it inspires me and it really makes, you know, it's, it's chipping away bit by bit at being a better creator. And, you know, I think like, you know, as much as you've helped me, as you said, I feel like I've helped you just, you know, having these conversations. I think it's, it's, it's better for everybody, for us, for the listeners, for the the whole world i guess let's just go with that sure but yeah absolutely absolutely <laughs> but yeah thank you for joining us clink um and thanks for listening to on we talk on we talk is hosted by matthew winner produced by on we you can listen to the show on spotify or apple podcasts or watch it in its entirety at youtube.com slash tv one you can show your support by becoming an Ennui Plus member, where you get exclusive series and podcasts, early access, and member-only perks. Join us at ennui.tv forward slash plus. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.